Welcome to the broadcast. We have our second one today uh, with my mate James again. This time we're we'll talking uh, about the, the Russian Grand Prix, which is usually a bore fest, but this time it really mm. wasn't. Um, in fact, some have called it the race of the season. Um, maybe that's a stretch too far, what do you think? Race of the season. I mean, it was a pretty good race. Uh, I think, as often happens when you get a good conclusion to a race, people forget about the middle bit where everybody was stuck in DRS trains and, you know, there were, yeah, queues about six, seven cars without any overtakes. It was a good race, don't get me wrong. It was a very good race. But, uh, yeah, I've also seen people calling it the race of the season. I I'm, I'm personally don't think it was the best race. I think Hungary was more exciting. Um, if only because you had a first-time winner. Uh, I think Imola was quite exciting. Um, but, I mean, it was an excellent race, but I don't think, personally, it was the race of the season because of the DRS trains, which just demonstrated that even though this has been a fantastic season, there are still problems with this generation of cars that hopefully next year's race will solve. Namely, you get stuck in DRS trains. Yeah, I think there's a bit of recency bias, as always, that yes. makes this the uh, the best race of the season. So I, I thought Monza, considering it was bone dry, which usually is a recipe oh, for yeah. not an Monza. interesting race, was more interesting than this one, more dramatic. And because yeah, still had the rain at the end, no one would have said this was the race of the season. Yeah, But it was a good weekend i think i think what made this a good race was not so the race itself it was a weekend qualified included mm. in the weather that was so all over the place now um, i think there were some better ones i think baku again because the recency bias has been oh, missed I forgot baku. yeah but that was extremely good uh silverstone was good and that was, it was dramatic again um and so like we, we we are spoiled for choice in terms of what the best way to see that is this would have been the, I think it was because this would have been the race of the season most previous seasons. Um, yes. Like, yeah, exactly. the think incredible this year. I mean, I remember the Sky Sports poll in 2019 about the best race of 2019. And people, I mean, there was Germany in 2019 or Brazil, but they chose Hungary. Just yeah. decent race, but it's a bit like choosing Portugal this year. Yeah, was it, I think it was Portugal or, yeah. or Spain, was it? Spain. Spain was the strategy, Where, how, yeah. Exactly, or France. I mean, they were good mm. races, but... Them and not exactly. It it says a lot yeah. about the quality of racing this year, but I don't think it was the best this year. Especially yeah. now you've mentioned Monza and Baku, which I forgot about. Yeah, I think it was a good race though. And if we can get good races at uh, France and Russia, then I mean, you know, it's the system is yeah. good. And it's because the cars are so close and they're sort of maxed out in terms of their efficiency and these regulations. So I hope they can mm. somehow maintain their closeness. But while uh, being better overtaken next year, it should be better. But yeah, I think that's a cost. I guess the reason it was so good there was the rain, both in qualifying and in the race, because that made it exactly. incredibly exciting. Yeah, exactly. There's there's nothing like a, a wet race. It's a bit artificial, I suppose, but you know, just begging for rain so that it mixes the field up. But it does always, almost always deliver. And it definitely did in qualifying and in the final five laps. Um, even though it ended up yielding perhaps the most boring one-two you could get this season. Yes. How on the was that? Yes. Yeah, but, of course it did. But it, yeah, it, exactly. There's nothing like a, a wet race. 
yeah because it, because it comes down to who gets the strategy right and then who can not put it in the wall yeah. so it's, it's very much instinct and quick decisions and that makes makes, makes it exciting so yeah, and whether or not you know your own skill like Lance Stroll saying can yeah, you stay out these tires yes and then promptly you've been here yeah yeah I, I feel like certainly the, the drivers who got it right pitted almost immediately so the first ones you went the pits I think were Bottas and Vicodin were amongst the first four or five and mm. in that move Bottas went from P14 to P5 and Raikkonen ended up in the points where he wasn't the entire race. And actually the same in that same group uh, around them, the drivers fell backwards who didn't make that move. So Russell didn't come in immediately, or at least he was maybe a bit slow, I'm not sure. But he ended up behind Raikkonen. Both Aston Martin didn't come in. So, yeah, yeah definitely the, the pit, as soon as the raid came down, was the safest and probably the best choice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. and then... It, Obviously, the, the the rain decided the race result because Mercedes pitted mm. one lap earlier than McLaren, and that ultimately decided it. Yeah, bit unfortunate. I mean, yeah. I, 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 apparently, I've read about um because I think a lot of people after the race were saying, "Oh, you know, it was foolish, really, of Lando not to pit and take the wet tires, given that more rain was coming and it was already pretty heavy." But apparently, I saw somewhere that uh, Mercedes were the only team, really, who came over the team radio and urged their drivers to pit, said the rain is going to get heavier. In fact, Alpha Tauri actively discouraged Gasly from pitting, said stay out on the the, 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 the slicks. So it did decide the race, but, I mean, I think it's not just a failure by the driver in Lando's case. It is a bit of a team there. Yeah, error. But that, who can blame yeah. them? I mean, and we've had that situation plenty of times on the the F one games <laughs> where you want to stay out yeah. um, to protect your position, even though it's raining. Um, so it was unfortunate, but perhaps the team should have given him more info. That's why you like the rain because it throws everything up in the air. So all the expertise and uh, software and money and resources the teams have when it rains, it's just a guessing game ultimately and some of them get it right and some of them don't and that causes chaos and chaos is fun to watch and makes it all more all the more entertaining um we've had yeah. quite a number of wet races this year so more than normal well, and we had one yeah not a wet non-race so yeah yes exactly yeah too much rain on that day um of course the other big issue of the race was the TV direction, um, which perhaps limited the argument that this was the race of the season because a lot of people could have made it, we didn't see. So, for example, mm. when Norris overtook uh, uh, Science, we only saw that as a replay and not actually live. Mm. Yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was pretty poor. I mean, I, I think... Um, I think it was Karen Chandler who said before the race he didn't know what Crofty was going to do because there was just too much to focus on at the start. You've got the Stappen, Bottas, Leclerc all at the back making their way through the, mid the midfield. You've got the three at the front or I don't know how many, maybe it was four abreast at one point going into one. So it was pretty difficult in that sense to keep up with all the action when you've got fast cars charging through the you know, from the back and you've also got a battle at the front. But they did seem to do a particularly bad job of, of keeping up there. You would see chain. You'd see overtakes 
happening on the leaderboard on the left-hand side thinking, I wonder if, why are they not showing us that? Or you'd see they'd be commentating on somebody who, where they were coming out of the pits, whether they were going to be ahead of traffic or whatever. And you wouldn't know. It was essentially like listening to the radio as opposed to watching TV at times. Um, but I do sympathise because it must be a very difficult job. Yeah, I, I feel like, no, I'm, I'm not saying anyone could do it much better or something I can. But the issue is you can't you can't miss like, the an overtake to the lead. And I, yes. I, I saw that there's a crazy stat where like 20-something overtakes we saw on camera and there were over 90 in the race um which brave shows how good a race it was and also how how better the tv direction could have been and there were pit stops we missed that we should have seen um and it was just because i guess there was so much going on all the time if you and this happened a lot if the tv cameras focus on the wrong fin they miss the fin that's happening at the same time split screen maybe in the pits or another part of the track yeah and then they go there just as it's done and then another thing happens so yeah it, it was better than monaco um yeah because it was harder than monaco because less you know less happy exactly there. it was more but excusable still, than monaco yes particularly as monaco a different group of uh people a different company does it it is i think yeah. i could be wrong but i think in russia this is f1 who do it but it that was not a, a good time yeah. for f1 management and their camera system that race because yeah. I well, I mean, if you think a lot of others commenting on it i mean if the how many moments of drama were though the entire monaco grand prix it's not exactly difficult to keep yeah. up with so it's more it's less excusable than russia where there was a lot to keep up with yeah yeah well ultimately though moving on the way the race led to hamilton's 100th victory in f1 something no one else has ever achieved which is frankly remarkable and obviously mm. further gives more evidence to the fact that he could well be the goat. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> insane accomplishment. I think what's the most insane is the thing that's essentially four straight, well, no, what's that? That's essentially, I mean, in the current era, it's about five seasons of, of Grand Prix wins, but really it's, if you think that when he started out, you know, championship was maybe 17 races, 18 races, that's more than five seasons of winning every single race. Yeah. And given he's only been in Formula One for 15, I mean, that's just uh, extraordinary yeah. win, right? I think the most astonishing stat is that he's near an 80 wins for Mercedes. Just mm. for one team, 80 wins. It's just, and, and, and like how many years has he been? Seven years, something like that, eight years. Yeah, this is his eighth season with them, yeah. Which is an insane average, just yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. For me, is he the go? I mean, the numbers don't lie. The numbers would suggest yes. I think it's a mm. difficult one to say because you can't really compare eras. I would mm. personally move towards Schumacher or Senna, but I think he has to be up there yeah. in the top three. Definitely the top three. If he's not in the top three, then anyone's list, you just haven't seen enough of Hamilton, frankly. Yeah, I'd say exactly. You can't compare eras. Is he the best driver of his generation? Yes, probably. I mean, there are, yeah. I think once you get to the really great drivers, there's not that much to separate them. And it's partly who gets in the right team, you know, mm. who gets form at the right time. But I mean, all you have to go on are the statistics, really. So he is the best driver of his generation. And then I've, I've, beyond that, I think it's difficult to compare. But mm. yeah, I think yeah. you could make a very good case now that he's the go. And certainly statistically, he is obviously. 
Yeah, Vettel said after the race that he uh, Hamilton was the greatest of his generation. Um, mm. But I, I know whenever any driver wins as much as he has and dominates as much as he has, there is always the notion, or is it just the car? Um, and, you know, that, that happens to every driver who dominates any season. There's always that question. I think that mm. Hamilton, because he's won so much constantly every single season, even when his car hasn't necessarily been the best that it has most years, in all fairness. Mm. Um, because he keeps winning, that question doesn't really come up. Um, mm. But I guess the answer to it is the best drivers getting the best cars. That's yeah. just how it goes. Exactly. Plus, you, the, the only benchmark you have is your teammate. And, yes. I mean, apart from Rosberg in 2016 and uh, I think Button in 2011, yeah. he's not been beaten. Yeah. Which is pretty remarkable, and, and I mean, I think I think Bottas has got, I don't know how many wins he, uh, it, it's roughly I ten, isn't it, in the last yeah. four or five seasons. A few of them just happened, but and then yeah, and Hamilton's probably got forty, fifty in the last in the same time. So I mean, yeah. you, you can only compare against his teammate, and yeah, yeah, and uh, he's been really very good. Alonso, Button, Rosberg, so these are not, yeah. These are not he's sort of your second drivers necessarily. Exactly. Um, he's and he has obviously on some occasions he lost to them, but also on occasions he also most of the time beat them. Mm. So yeah, I don't think this is a case of oh, it's just the car, even if he has had the most dominant, brilliant, best car in Formula One history, um, mm. and best team as well. Yeah. yeah, I think he deserves it fully. All right, well, final topic before we get to the impressed, unimpressed section at the end is quality, because qualifying this weekend was ex- exceptional, one of the best qualifying sessions I've seen. I mean, it yeah. set up the race perfectly because uh, at the end, the conditions completely changed and that yeah. made everything chaotic. Yeah, I, I thought, yes, exactly. It, it's just like we're saying that you can't beat a wet race, you can't beat a wet qualifying. It just Mm. essentially levels the playing field um uh, and i thought again the the side i know most of the headlines went to the land over game pole um i thought the most impressive performance again and somehow i don't know how it's possible to have gone under the radar but it sort of did was it was another top three qualifying for george russell in the williams Insane. which is absurd just completely yeah. mad um i think did latifi go i think the latifi went out in q2 but he might yeah. well have been Q one if you think. That yeah, Leclerc I think he might have had engine happened, problems, but he, I think he did. Oh, that's right, he did. The yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, like, clearly that car has absolutely no right to be in the top mm. three. Um, McLarens and Ferraris, yeah, you wouldn't expect to be in the top three, but clearly, they, you know, they could easily be top five in the normal yeah. dry qualifying session. But it's it's just incredible he he, he put that in P three, and I think unfortunately from his point of view. He's just ramping up the expectations while he goes to Mercedes. If yeah. people just don't take that much notice of a P3 qualifying in a Williams, yeah. what are they going to be expecting of, of him at Mercedes? It is insane how the expectations have just risen all of a sudden. Like when mm. P9 was astonishing, and now he finishes P9, it's the fifth exactly. or sixth story. And also, exactly. he's very brave. I think he was the first one to go in the slicks as the track mm. dried. Um, and, yeah. near, and like he was squirting on the bow, the back end was out, don't to control it and get the tires into, into gear to be able to set a fast lap. And he mm. made the right call to do it early. And he was the first on, so it really worked. And I also thought Science was at a, did an exceptional lap. 
and probably the only reason he wasn't on pole was he was the one of the first to cross the line. Exactly. So yeah, he said for, that. So yeah, so for the brief drives behind him, the track was drier more and more, so he could do it quicker. So to put it P two, I think he might be the first. Could be one. He was the first of the runners to cross the line. That was an mm. exceptional lap, and he was excellent all weekend. And I think he's probably adapted to his new car better than any of the people who drivers who switched seats. Yeah. Um, I, I think he he deserves more of a mention he often gets. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's certainly one of the most underrated drivers in the group. Um, and yeah, I think he's he may well be. Is he ahead of Leclerc in the ch- championship now? He must be, I assume, because Leclerc didn't score. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's pretty it. impressive yeah. in, your, your, yeah. you know, in your first season at Ferrari. Yeah. And of course, the other main talking about qualifying was Mercedes shambles, which they are strangely often doing it's creeping them once every few races they just mess something up maybe the pressure is mm-hmm. ramping i don't know because of course yeah. Hamilton hit the wall when he was coming in to change tires that to change mm-hmm. his front wheel and that delayed bottas and then they both didn't get a good lap in because they only had one lap on the soft tire which meant the fact that they didn't have uh go on the softs um which meant Hamilton plummeted and p1 to p4 and i think bottas mm-hmm. was p7 for his penalty um, yeah. So yeah, I mean Toto Wolf, the uh, team principal said afterwards it didn't make any difference because when they came up the track they wouldn't have got a good run. But still, it is signs perhaps of team under pressure, and it was a mistake, no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's. It, I mean, I wouldn't want to be Mercedes in a way qualifying because you've got everything to lose and nothing to gain if you qualify on pole. You qualify them, Paul. You're in a Mercedes. If you don't, it, yeah, it's always going to be the story. Is always going to be Mercedes shambles. Shambles, but it it clearly was an error. They didn't come in soon enough. Hamilton hitting the wall slowed him down, so it gave him even less chance of getting a second lap. And I think Toto said, like he said, they wouldn't have got a second lap in anyway. But still, it, it it did seem to imply that the pressure is perhaps getting to them. But that's, I mean, it's not like Red Bull haven't made mistakes. It was only a Monza where oh, they did no. an 11 second pit stop. So. It's it goes both ways, but yes, certainly it was a bit of a bit of a seemed yeah. like a blunder anyway for Mercedes. I, mean, I think it, it hits more because Mercedes are yeah, such an efficient, remarkably well organized team. Um, so that when they do come errors, be it the pit, pit stops like Bottas in Monaco, they couldn't get the wheel off, or this, or Hamilton and Imola going onto the gravel, it does. It, it's surprising more than anything else. You just don't expect mm. such a brilliant team to make yeah. mistakes. It's the toll taken by uh, having to deal with evil genius Christian Horner. Getting under, their, getting under their Christian skin. Christian Horner. He's just, he's just in everyone's minds living rent free in Mercedes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's finish then with the impressed slash unimpressed section so who have you got first who's your spotlight on well i was gonna choose i couldn't choose between the two spaniards carlos Sainz and fernando alonso alonso because i just thought he did lap one cutting the corner clearly deliberately not really attempting turn one just flying straight at the bollards um was very smart and i think shows how alonso continues to succeed even at you know the age of 40 where for example Kimi Raikkonen has apparently lost a lot with some of his pace, especially in qualifying. Alonso seems to be, you know, still mixing it with the fastest. Um, 
because he just has the guile and experience to do things like that. You know, I, I was watching when I watched it, I thought well, it'd be funny. I mean, can you imagine if he actually just propelled himself straight into the lead of the Grand Prix, the two second lead or something, <laughs> doing that? I mean, I don't know whether he'd have been penalized for it if he gained that much of an advantage, but I don't see how he could have been. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was just it was just a clever little thing to do and adds a bit of bit of spice to the, the Grand Prix, yeah. you know, something else, some other talking point. Um, that was basically what I had to say about Alonso. He had a pretty good race, ended up P6, staying out on the dry tyres as a gamble to get a podium. Um, didn't pay off, didn't really lose much from it, but I guess it was worth a try if you're Alpine. But yeah, decent race. But the one I was, the other one I was going to talk about is Carlos Sainz because obviously he ended up P3. He led the race for a fair bit, um, ended up getting stuck in traffic. Um, and unable to get out the DRS train, which sort of screwed him, but ended up B3 because of the the rain. Um, yeah, I thought, again, it was another example of Carlos Sainz being very efficient and fast, but very much underrated. To yeah. think, he, you know, that's his third podium in his first season for Ferrari when Claire's got one. I can't remember. He may have two. I can only think of yeah. Britain. Um, mm. Is very impressive and I think it, it it demonstrates that as he said in an interview in, in the week I think before the Russian Grand Prix he's not going to be in the new Barrichello he's not going to be a number two if Ferrari do produce a championship winning car next season which means we could have fireworks next year we could Russell and House and Mercedes and those two who are very they're going Ferrari might have the best combination who knows I think, probably, I think they quite possibly do have the best job now. maybe not mm-hmm. next year with Mercedes but yeah yeah yeah, I, I was going to go with Raikkonen because came back from isolation and COVID after two races mm. away. He's already already retiring, as we know, and his pace, we know, is also dropping. But he did put in an excellent performance because the Alfa Romeo is not a quick car. And even if it is, the team has struggled to make it into points and to get the strategy yeah. right. And he used experience. He pitted very early. He held the conditions well. And when he was out of the pits, the entire race managed to get eighth place and four points, which is very valuable. So he has still got it. Um, and I think he has been mm. in some good performances here. Obviously, they're not as consistent as he was before, but I don't think he's lost his speed, even if he has lost a bit of his consistency. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everyone likes to see Kimi <laughs> P8 and Alpha. It's just, it's just nice to yeah. see that. Yeah. You'd have to say Alpha... Uh... A prior, you know how great Racing Point on Force India's reputation for getting more than they deserved. Yes, always squeezing more. I've got Alfa Romeo are the reverse of that. Yeah, they, they've got they've yeah. not they haven't got a championship winning car. They've got a decent car. They've got the same sort of a car as Williams. It seems. In fact, I think they said they have a faster car than Williams. I mean, that was a few a few races ago, so things might have changed. But they just they've just extracted so little from it. In, and the Giovinazzi's been screwed over by strategy over and over again. And the last couple of races, Mon- um, Monza and was it Spa where he qualified in the top 10? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, or Zandvoy, might have been. Either way. Yeah, Zandvoy. Um, yeah. Uh, and then he ended up finishing outside the points, partly strategy, partly just not having race space. It's, it, yeah, you got to feel a bit sorry for them. They're just not, you got the, uh, I guess, ruthlessness and the races are sort of cutting edge to, Trans, you know, to take advantage of situations like this. So it was a good thing that they did, I thought. Yeah. Get some points on the good ball. To see Kimmy getting points before before he retires. I think mm-hmm. what everyone wants to see it in the last fifth of the season, other than 
it going the championship going to the final. An absolutely cataclysmic showdown. Yes, is Kimmy getting points? That's yeah, what everyone wants to day. see. Right? Yeah, he will be driving the day. There's no question. Whatever. Yeah, I think he probably will be. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. Unless, yeah. Um, who else? Is anyone else leaving from the one at the end of the season? Or is it just Riker? Uh, it's just Riker, isn't it? Yeah. At the moment. I think so. It'll be Riker. So, yeah. I think it's Riker then. Yeah, I think so. All right. All right. Yeah. So, uh, thank you and uh, thank you for listening. All right. Bye. Bye.